Hello, fellow griever. This is the Leftover Pieces Suicide Loss Conversations podcast, and I am Melissa, your host. This week, you have found yourself with me for one of my shorter, solo, down-the-rabbit-hole episodes. Here, I take you with me on a journey of sorts, through thoughts in my own griefy mind. Some days, I may tackle topics as if I am in Alice's shoes, slaying the Jabberwocky, and on others, I may end up in my own pool of tears, or I may just go a bit sideways and paint the proverbial roses red, but I always promise an adventure. So let's dive down the rabbit hole and see just what sorts of madness we might discover together. I am glad you have joined me, because while I do know how lonely this grief is, I also believe we needn't be alone. Welcome. Hello and welcome, fellow griever. You have reached Season 5, Episode 3 of the Leftover Pieces Suicide Loss Conversations podcast, and I'm Melissa, your host. And I am so very thankful, whether you are with me for the very first time or whether you have been with me all four seasons leading up until now, I hope you've had a chance to listen to Episode 1 and 2 of this season as they do give you a bit of a background on a few things. Um, the, the most recent season uh, five, episode two episode gives you a bit of an update about the break that I took, why I took it and where I'm at now and what can, you can expect going forward with the leftover pieces podcast season uh, five's inaugural episode. Episode one contains excerpts from the recent book launch event for volume three of because they lived memories and stories of amazing kids lost to suicide, which means you get to hear firsthand from the moms themselves that are the authors in that book. That book is volume three. So I did three of these projects last year. And for those of you that know, I had no real idea where the project was going to go. I had hopes, of course, but I didn't I didn't dare to assume where it might go. I literally put it out on a wing and a prayer with the best of intentions from my heart. And this project has out. Oh gosh, how do I even say it's outlived my, my, my wildest dreams for what I think it could be not only to the moms and to me, but to the world as a whole, getting these stories out into the world is so vitally important Legacy is important, right? Journaling, writing is so healing. I knew all of this. Um, Taking a narrative approach to healing our trauma, which is what the project does, is out surpassing what I could have hoped for the moms and myself. These stories and memories being recorded in written word will live on forever, And the pictures, the pictures in them, if we believe pictures are worth a thousand words, then the thousands and thousands of words you will get from looking at the pictures as well as reading the stories is invaluable. This allows these kids to live on. This allows other people to know them. This is 
an amazing project. And so my decision to do what I'm doing today, which is read an entire chapter, if you will, from this book, because they lived legacy uh, project book, um, volume three, I'm actually reading the one that I wrote to Alex. And in the first two books, if you're not aware, or you don't own them yet, the first two books, I wrote a complete chapter for Alex. And as the book entered its third project, and now this year we'll be entering at, at least two more dates and possibly there may be three projects this year. We'll see. Um, I realized that that might not be sustainable for me to, to write an entire, you know, 5,000 ish word chapter every single time that I do the project. So I chose to write a shorter essay to Alex in this book, and I'm going to read that. And the decision to do that is one that I waffled on a little bit. And then ultimately what I did was follow what my own advice would be if I was giving it to somebody else, which is the point of the project is legacy. The point of the project is healing for the moms. So with those two things in mind, every time I share more of Alex in different ways, and the podcast is a different way than a book, the more people that get a chance to know a little bit more about him and who he was in his life. And that's a legacy in itself in a different form. And so I thought, yeah, I've also had so many people ask me about the tree, the, the painting that I've talked about sometimes in podcasts. And this particular essay deals directly with that tree. And so I thought this is a story a lot of people have asked about because I've hinted to it before. And so I am going to, with great honor, share with you the essay that I wrote. It's called Serendipities and Synchronicities, an essay for Alex. I can still hear him clearly in my head each and every single time the 1970s melodious reggae tune I can see clearly now starts to play. An energetic, boisterous, blonde-haired, dreamy blue-eyed boy, he may have been all of six when I recall hearing him sing it for the very first time. He was in the back seat of our minivan, belting it out, lisps and all, word for word, with every single ounce of his great big heart and all of the confidence and conviction of the songwriter himself. It's a precious memory for sure, but moreover, it's a starting point to discuss the serendipities and synchronicities of Alex. There is one such synchronicity in particular that I want to expand on, but we'll get there in a few minutes. Hearing this song from the back seat when he was six is one of the early moments I look back on that is just a starting point in a string of remarkable circumstances unique to Alex. These memories weave a tapestry of a life lived in a way that may have seemed random on the surface at least until you step back and see that there just may have been intent by universal design all along. Music was his thing. Was that nature or nurture? Coincidence? Blueprint? Hmm. Just how does this all tie together? With regard to the song I can see clearly now in Johnny Nash's own words, the song is about hope, 
and courage for people who have experienced adversity in their lives but have later overcome it. This makes me take a long and thoughtful pause for sure. Synchronicity? Yes. Life since losing Alex is brimming with them, both serendipities and synchronicities. But what are they, you may be asking. For a moment, let me do as I often do and lean on definitions for clarity. Defining them will help us both as the story unfolds. Serendipity, an accidental discovery, a single experience of good fortune. Moreover, it's a sense that this may not have been planned, but had become, the minute it happened, what was meant to be. Chance and luck are often at play as well as practical world outcomes. And yes, some of these things fit in Alex's life for sure. Defined synchronicity is a meaningful coincidence, a lesson or affirmation. It's the simultaneous occurrence of casually unrelated events and the belief that simultaneity has meaning beyond mere coincidence. The events may have seemed unrelated, but since occurring, They have a psychological or emotional effect in a way they are related. And yes, other things definitely fit more with this definition. Where do these two differ, I wondered, from a soul's contract? But come on, Melissa, you might be saying, what in the world is that? That sounds really deep, right? Well, it is. And I encourage intrigue, but alas, you're in luck as I'm still sitting with my thoughts on the topic of a soul's contract and can only consider tackling it at another time and place. The music matters, as I said, and we will discuss it later. But the first thing that comes to mind when talking about synchronicities concerning Alex is the tree. It is really quite a tale, and I cannot speak about serendipities and synchronicities without telling this story. It goes like this. Once upon a time... A little boy painted a tree in art class and took it home. This in itself may not have seemed remarkable, but stay with me. This little boy was just eight and in the third grade of primary school. He was intelligent and curious and typically a bit antsy, the type of little boy who needs a lot of stimulation to stay focused and interested. He was not necessarily very artistic, nor did he particularly love coloring or making art. But he was typically a happy kid and would always do his assignments. As you may have guessed, his name was Alex. I have wondered if, on that day, the class was instructed to paint an item chosen ahead of time or if the choice was his own. Knowing this would only be minutia to spark yet a bit more intrigue. But even with this detail left to the imagination, the rest of what I have to say is still rare and conspicuous to say the least. So, the tree was a painting brought home by my young son, unadorned and without remark, like most schoolwork. It was mixed in with the day or weeks reading, writing, and arithmetic. It was likely shoved in his backpack and would ordinarily only have been removed with incessant maternal demands or as a result of the massive overflow of wadded paper dictating the necessity of emptying it. At the time, I saw no particular relevance or meaning to the leaf-barren tree with a color-block background. It was a lovely painting created by my sweet son. 
the importance would take another 13 years to show up. After doing some time on the front of the fridge, it was placed in an unassuming tote labeled Alex, grades K through 6. Quite a few years later, looking to decorate a blank white wall space in my office, I dug into these totes and framed a few pieces of artwork from each of my three kids. Nostalgia gets a mom sometimes as her babes start to grow. I chose two from each child's stash, had them framed, and after suspending them from nails, stood back and marveled at my new gallery wall. Both of the ones I chose of Alex feel significant now, but I'll talk about the happy boy another day. Yes, the other one was the tree. There on my office wall, it remained for the last few blissfully clueless years that I had, as I had zero indication of what lay ahead. Fast forward now to 18 months after the bliss had halted, after my world seemingly stopped spinning and shattered all in a single breath. It was 18 months after I stopped recognizing the image that I saw reflected back from the looking glass into which I blankly stared every morning. It was 18 months after Alex unfathomably was gone from his life from all of ours. The house and businesses were sold. We had ominously gargantuan motorhome in the driveway, and we were about to hit the road and try to figure out where and how we move forward from this. It was in my after life, and while I am a bit more adapted now, I was quite lost then. So there I am in my hallway, a hollow shell of my former self and one of the only items I picked on one of the ver- to put on one of the very few wall spaces we had was none other than the tree. It was plucked up by me from where it was resting, just mixed in with all the other artwork we were otherwise determining what to do with, and I simply declared, this one is coming. There was no rhyme, no reason. It just came over me, and I did not waver or question. It just was. I took it straight out to the motorhome. I still can't comprehend how I remember all this detail when there is so much I do not recall at all from that time. This foliage-free tree found a place on the wall of our bedroom. It's the only wall it would fit on. Traveling in and out of the countryside and towns, this tree kept me company. I found comfort in its presence, and I remember remarking several times that I wasn't sure why I picked that painting, but I knew in my bones there was a reason. The reason, as it was, came barreling in one day many months into our journey. It came out of nowhere, when on the day, like any other in the months before, it was the first thing I saw walking into the bedroom. That day... As I glanced at the painting, I was instantly and inexplicably flooded with an emotion so deep and so jarring that it took my breath away. I sat, more out of necessity so as not to collapse, and tears flowed from my eyes without comprehension. And then, like a download from the universe, I knew where that tree was. It was in Africa, and Alex was there with his tree. You see, months and months before, I had received amazing photos from one of Alex's closest friends. 
one of just seven people I chose to entrust with some of Alex's cremated remains. I gave these small urns to his people, as I wanted my son to continue to see the world with those he would have accompanied on adventures of life, had his own life not been stolen much too soon. This incredible friend of Alex's was actually my inspiration for these urns, and even he had no idea what was coming. He had been carrying Alex's memorial service handout to great parks and national monuments across the country in the months after Alex's death, always taking a photo and captioning, You are here with me, buddy. I was so moved by this, and the idea of the urns came to me. He wasn't in town when I gave them out, so he made a special stop at the house one day when he returned, and I gave him his urn. He promised Alex would continue accompanying him on his adventures, but now he could retire the pamphlet and carry a part of his friend instead. The first set of photos from this friend post-urn came from the magnificent continent of Africa. There were four or five photos in total that he actually shared directly with just me. The urn was in every picture. It was on a rock at the Cape of Good Hope. It was in a photo at Solomon's Wall. It was in two images on the Cecil Rhodes Preserve in Mamakwa, Botswana, near the famous Baobab tree. A tree called the Rhodes Baobab in the land of the giants on a sacred preserve close to where mankind began. The species of tree is one species that is known as the tree of life. It was Alex's tree. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, I just knew it in my soul. It was that tree, and some of his ashes were now one with it. That day in the RV was the day all the dots connected. I remember trembling, and I sat mumbling to my concerned husband and pointing to the tree, trying to get the words off my tongue. He, too, was floored once I managed a coherent sentence. Days later, after I gained some composure, I messaged his friend, but I didn't lead with words. I sent a picture instead. A side-by-side collage of the photo and the painting. His words were, oh my goodness, it looks like the same tree. What's that picture from? I offered the only words, and it was no real explanation since I didn't really have one. It just was what it was, a synchronicity in the most actual form. He too was dumbfounded. That day's back-and-forth conversation is less relevant than the initial realization and reaction, but saying it will always stay with me and probably him, as pure paradox. The tree has become a symbol, a sign, because it has time and time again presented resemblances of itself at significant moments and places in the years since. Just to name a few, one such clone tree kept me company well over three months through seasons and sunsets right outside our RV window on a ranch where we were staying. And then there's another time in a photo one of his other closest friends sent me. Also not knowing about the painting, I sent her similar side-by-side photos. More disbelief. As for other serendipities and synchronicities, like I began, most of the rest are tied to music. There are songs with rainbows, which have been a sign since he died. There is timing of some of these things. The song I can see clearly now was from his youth, 
but he started listening to Israel or is Kamakaviva Ole's Somewhere Over the Rainbow on repeat in the weeks before he died. Ugh. That one's like a lump that won't leave your throat until it just settles into your heart. There are also serendipities tied to him loving Peter Pan and Robin Williams, which are ominously connected. Likewise, there are things like the music of the TV series Glee. Alex was so much like the character Finn Hudson. Like Finn, Alex was in show choir, and he was a varsity athlete. Like the character, he was also good-looking and well-liked. Alex even looked like Finn. Many people drew this comparison while he was alive. The actor who played him, Corey Monteith, who battled addiction and depression, died young and tragically also. Both Robin and Corey died two years before my son, and Alex had remarked and been affected by both deaths. Some serendipities and synchronicities feel comforting, while others feel quite confronting. I am still trying to understand what it all means about our existence both before and after we live this life here on earth. I wonder, is this an all-of-us thing, or is it reserved for the special among us? As it may be, we aren't meant to know. My mind is befuddled often, lost in wondering if we have a way of recognizing these types of connections, either for some knowingly, or for others, a subconscious awareness that defies understanding while we are in our earthly bodies. I don't know. Did Alex? Again, I still don't know. I now believe that they are more intentional than we know. Breadcrumbs place for us to discover after we are gone to comfort and connect to those who love us. Ever and again, I wish I had the answers. Answers like this are something so many of us seek after loss, right? Yet in truth, we will never have all the answers, which perhaps is fine, even requisite. But for now, I find immense love and peace in finding these crumbs and knowing that Alex is still around me, that he mattered, that he is remembered. And because he lived, so many people are better for having known him, especially me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to that part, just one part, just a few memories that are tied to my son, Alex. It means the world to me to know that other people get to know him a little bit more get to know me a little bit more and that this story will last as long as people are willing to listen to this podcast. I'm going to close by reading the conclusion of this particular book. There's a unique conclusion in every book, but it helps summarize kind of why I did this and what I was wanting to do today. As you read their stories and say their names, their legacy is carried forward. This is precisely how legacy works. Carve your names on hearts, not tombstones. A legacy is etched into the minds of others 
and the stories they share about you. That's a quote by Sharon Adler. Since losing my son Alex on August 7th of 2016, I have had the solemn but good fortune of meeting some very incredible humans. They also happen to be moms who have survived the incomprehensible, losing their precious child by suicide. These women are some of the best and bravest I have ever met, yet they are all carrying the most unfathomable burden that a human ever has to carry, child lost by tragedy, and yet all persist motivated by the indomitable love of a mother for her child. They are all forces in and of themselves. So much of what we need to see our way through as survivors is as different as we are. But I have found three similarities in common that show up over and over. The need for resources to help navigate this grief journey. A community of connection to other moms who get it. And an ache in their hearts to be sure their child is remembered. I provide clear paths for the first two. This book project now helps with the last piece. This legacy project was born from a dream and put out in the world fueled by hard work and a heart full of hope for the potential I saw in it. I wanted to give moms everywhere a path to be sure their child is introduced, known, and remembered forever, and provide them with a way to step toward healing in a truly profound way. This book you're holding is volume three of this project, and I can confidently say that I have accomplished these goals. Legacy and healing do and can go hand in hand. At this point in the book, I invariably find myself looking back on the previous several months that the ladies and I have spent in the trenches together, and I then find myself both despondent and gratified. I have discovered they can live right alongside each other, just as pain and joy can. Like myself, I imagine you will close the book knowing each of these amazing people just a little, and if you are already did, perhaps a little better than before. I also hold the certainty in my heart that knowing them and their courageous moms will be a life-enriching experience for you. I believe that there is no single force more extraordinary than that of a mother's love. And now, as a first-hand survivor and witness, I know that to be fiercely immovable not only in life, but beyond as well. It has become my goal to reach as many moms as possible who, like me, are looking to do more than just barely stay afloat in this wretched sea of grief. Learning to swim is hard and requires support and accountability with a healthy dose of grace and space thrown in. But if anyone can, a mom can. I am so inspired by the authors of this book, Kathy, Brandy, Rose, and Brenda. You are all a part of my heart, and I surmise each other's as well. Lindsay, Logan, Maya, Trent, and Alex now have an expanded circle of friends. Their legacies are firmly planted in the soil of each soul who reads these stories. Contrary to reason, you have put it all out there, bravely and unabashedly, and I am eternally grateful to you. May this book make it to everyone who needs to know these boundless souls, whether they knew they needed to or not. Endings are complicated, so I will choose to see this as a new beginning and a way forward. I hope you will as well. 
And I sure hope that we will talk soon. And before I close this episode for today, I feel it called on my heart to mention the moms of the other books and their children as well, because working alongside of them has been every bit as much of a joy and gift as working alongside these latest four moms, just as it will be working alongside the moms that come in the future. I want to be sure I mention Ellen, Aiden's mom, Sarita, Gage's mom, Barb, Donovan's mom, Taylor's mom, Crystal, Nick's mom, Nalini, Jolie, McCoy's mom, and Valerie, Noah's mom. These are also brave moms who have written the stories and memories of their amazing kids in volumes one and two of Because They Lived. These books will become cherished heirlooms in your family. And if you or a mom that you know wants to leave a lasting legacy for their kid, please reach out as soon as possible. The next project starts February 7th with enrollment ending no later than February 14th. I will not do another project again this year until August but it's not too late to get on that list either as I expect there to be two groups in August that will sell out. And I want to be sure I give opportunity to as many of you that would like to do this project as possible. Or I hope that maybe this will inspire you to do something regarding legacy on your own. Until we talk again, please feel free to reach out to me, especially If you have a question or a comment about anything, if you have any ideas for season five or anybody you'd like to recommend that I have a conversation with, or if you'd like to schedule that chat to talk about the legacy project, please email me, melissa at theleftoverpieces.com, and I'll send you a link and we can chat. Until next time, talk soon, fellow grievers. So we'll conclude here for today, but I just wanted to say a few things before you go. If you're new to the podcast and have not listened to the very first episode called Intro Episode Start Here, all the way back at the beginning of Season 1, I would encourage you to do so so that you know what to expect from the leftover pieces, because I do have several different styles of episodes that I record and we do release weekly almost all of the time. So I hope that you will come back often to join us in this community of suicide loss survivors. If you have not already, also, I would encourage you to check out theleftoverpieces.com where you can find and have access to all of the things that I currently offer. Some of those things are online Zoom support groups, links to my books, educational opportunities that I'm adding all the time, as well as different downloadables and resources for all suicide loss survivors. And if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the podcast, or you'd just like to connect with me for any other reason, you can do it through the website as well. So until next time, I just want to remind you that I know how lonely this grief is. 
but you don't have to be alone. Talk soon.